This is Our People Podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi everyone and welcome to South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust, Our People Podcast. My name's Lauren Robinson, I'm a Communications and Involvement Manager at the Trust and I will be your host today. So on today's episode, we will be talking about all things hospital discharge, what it involves, how it works, and some of the projects um, that our teams have been working on. I caught up with clinical leads Lynn Talentire and Kay Stidolf, as well as our new system coordinators, Rachel Dora and Catherine Ray, at our busy discharge lounge at Sunderland Royal Hospital. Lynn and Kay, can you tell me a little bit more about your role and what your roles both entail? Hello, yes, we um, make a job share over both hospitals um, and we work closely with the ward and the community teams to start to plan the patient's discharge and admission with a clear aim to get patients discharged using the home first principle and discharge to assess. Rachel and Catherine, you're both system coordinators here at the Trust. Can you both just explain a little bit more about your role and what your roles entail? Yeah. Um... So our roles really are involved with understanding the challenges experienced, which impact on timely discharge, and working with the teams to overcome those. So we're working with teams to review and introduce new pathways and to improve the discharge experience, do a lot of uh, linking up of services and and troubleshooting when required. Just to add upon that really, the the role um, came from um, NHS England and the government during the height of COVID. So Sunderland um, really tried to be a bespoke role for both Catherine and I. Um, it, we started in October, so we're kind of working together to try and improve things across both sites. Okay, so talking about hospital discharge, when, when a patient comes into the trust, when do we start actually planning their discharge and what does the discharge process include? Well, firstly, as soon as a patient comes into hospital, we should be planning discharge, and that's not when they're admitted, that's actually from the front of house in urgent emergency care. So we have teams that can come down to assess to see if that patient needs an event for an acute reason, or whether actually social services could do a wraparound service and get that patient out. Um, If they can't, again, we have teams at the front of house that interface team on the Sunderland side um, that can follow that patient through for the first 24, 48 hours. But the acutely unwell patients, again, we can't just wait until they're medically fit. So as soon as they come into hospital, we start looking what they were doing before they came into hospital, seeing what services they, they had in, if they had any services, some patients don't. So our aim then is to start looking at what pathway that patient would fit into um, and we're getting the teams to work with the wards um, to make sure that we're getting the right thing for the patient. It's very often, you know, we get a patient in hospital that might not have been able to walk very far, but we get them in hospital and decide we want them to walk the whole length of the ward and that isn't realistic. So we've got to make sure that we really do know from the minute that patient come in what their social background was and get the right teams involved. So you mentioned their pathways. So we know that obviously, and as what you've just mentioned there, some discharges are more straightforward than others. Yeah. Can you just explain that 
process and the different pathways that patients are on. Yeah. So a patient that comes in, so say a patient comes in acutely unwell with appendicitis or something like that, they probably would be considered uh, a pathway zero. A patient that comes in needs hospital care to get get them better. So they might need an operation or they might be have a, a chest infection and, and get them well. But actually they can manage at home with no services required. Um, they, they're independent or they're as independent as they need to be at home without any services. So that patient would be classed as a P0. That would be classed as your simple discharge, which your ward staff would be able to quite competently deal with that. Um, the next sort sets of patients are patients that might need um, some care packages. So they've either got care packages at home, come into hospital, they may need to be reassessed, do they need more care packages or um, a bit more support at home with your physio, your OT. Um, your care package patients would be a P1. Now I know in Sunderland, um, if they come in and they're only in for four, a few days or something, you can quickly restart those packages of care for a P1. But actually, within South Tyneside, that package of care after 24 hours is cancelled. So it would be a whole um, routine of assessing again to get those patients home. You've then got your patients that might come into hospital, be quite unwell for a while, um, which we would consider as a P2 that might need just a little bit more rehab before they go home. And that could be um, going into a bed-based rehab. So they would be considered as being two and P2, which the social work, uh, the OT physio would work with. Um, and we talk to our hub who would decide on which is the best bed to put those patients in. Um, and then you've got your patients that sometimes come in that's already a P3 in a nursing home or a residential residential home um, and again we need to assess their needs because a residential patient might become nursing and, and what you're looking at there do they actually need nursing needs um, so those patients are quite quite complex to get the right care for them and some patients may have been living at home with all the support going but now do need to go into 24-hour care which would be considered as a P3 so you need to make sure you've got all your wraparound services there to to assess those patients properly because we want to try to go for all patients to go home if possible, but just sometimes they can't. So that's why we have all of those pathways to make sure we're always thinking of the patient first. So when should someone be discharged from hospital? Like, why is it important to get patients discharged from hospital as soon as they're well enough? So, well, we do know that every day spent in hospital um, becomes more of a risk for patients. So 10 days in hospital leads to the equivalent of... 10 years in ageing, um, which is your, your, you know, your muscles, um, you tend to be in hospital, a nurse will do it all for you, you've got so many nurses on the ward and, and the nurse starts doing a lot more for the patient, which actually bring, um, puts that patient more at risk of losing muscle control. Um, we know that this increases patients' uh, risk of falls, risk of infections by staying in hospital longer than they require to. Um, it's, considered the right pace, place for a patient when they're acutely ill. Once that patient is medically fit, it is no longer the right place for that patient to be. And it's no longer the right place for a patient that's coming through our urgent and emergency care who, can ha who could wait for a bed. So we need to make sure we have the right people in our hospital beds and the patients are able to go to a place that can look after their needs better than being in an acute hospital where they are at more risk of becoming unwell. 
often it's more appropriate to assess somebody in their home environment as well because the way that somebody functions and the level of independence that they can achieve in an unfamiliar environment is very different to how they would function in their own home. So it's it's much more appropriate to see them in their own home and be able to rationalise just how much support they need, um, but also what other mechanisms they've got around them at home in terms of their community that they rely on outside of, of our care. I think one of the things to me I always used to, used to say and still do say now I'm managing that, if you went into hospital today and someone told you you could never go back to your own home again, how would that make you feel? Yeah. And I think we have to keep that in mind for all patients because sometimes relatives even think they're doing the best for their, their relative by saying they need this, they need that. We have to make sure that we're looking at it as a team, as a multidisciplinary team to ensure we're providing the care that that patient needs, but actually giving them every chance to get back to their own bed, because we all know even going on holiday, it's nothing like getting back to your home, own bed. So being in a hospital is not always the right place once you're medically fit. And it's making sure that we focus on what matters to the person. Not everybody lives the same, like the, their lives in the same way. So people make active choices to live in certain ways. Okay, so you've just talked around why it's important to get patients obviously home as soon as they're well enough. I suppose if you could just sum up in a few words or just give a few kind of key points as to why is home the best place for a patient to recover? Why why is it better for people to recover at home than obviously in hospital? What are those key, those headline kind of I think familiarity of your own, your own things around you. You know, it's, you, you'll get a patient that someone might think, um, it's unsafe because he can't get down the ward and actually they furniture walk. That might be safe for some patients at home because they know where they are. It also means that the, the assessment and treatment is as, cent as centred around the patient as we can possibly achieve. So what can a patient do to support their own discharge and make sure that it's timely and all goes to plan? We encourage the um, patients to speak to the clinical teams to, um, and obviously the other way around too, to ask why am I in hospital, um, what is going to happen to me today, when am I going home and what will help to get me home. Um, you know, it's really important for all the patients to know this every day so they can plan the future and plan for the discharge and to actually know what is happening with them for every day that they're in hospital. I think if they go with those sorts of questions, that brings up us in looking at seeing what sort of equipment they might need to get them home. So we're actually ordering that earlier rather than wait until they're medically fit. Um, making sure that obviously their personal care, anything anything that they might need out of hospital is starting to be or looked at prior to them becoming medically fit. So that those sorts of questions get us everyone working on that pathway to get the patient home. And how can patients, families or carers, um, or loved ones support um, a timely discharge? It would be really helpful if um, families could support with ensuring the properties ready for that person to return to. So making sure there's um, the heating, um, electricity, gas, um, make sure they've got adequate food. Um, house keys tend to be a key one when um, someone's ready for discharge and showing they've got a house key. Ideally if families can help with transport that would be brilliant um, considering the demand that we've got on NEAS currently. 
um, other things such as if they could help bridge care, so families helping with some personal care elements, meals, etc. Um, whilst we continue to look for the social care package, that would be very beneficial as well. Okay, so what happens on the day that a patient leaves hospital from kind of the beginning of the process to them literally leaving the site and on the way home? So the patients will be transferred um, down to the discharge lounge. Um, there's a discharge lounge at both Sunderland and South Tyneside while they wait to go home. Um, the patients are looked after while they're still there. There's um, given hot drinks and sandwiches. Um, why they might wait for the transport. Um, most people arrange a lift home with their family and friends. Um, but if there's a clinical reason why we need to arrange them on transport, we will do that. Might be waiting for the medication. Um, and instead of waiting on the ward, they'll just come down to the discharge lounge and be made really comfortable. So we do aim that all patients will be discharged home for lunch time and that we get patients turned around as quickly as possible and off home as soon as we can. And what happens is the discharge lounge staff will ring the carer or the relative um, to say the patients have just gone in the transport and actually on the way home so they know that, that they won't be long. So what support's available for patients in the community when they've been discharged? should they need kind of additional community care? We've got um, the range of services across Sunderland and South Tyneside with a little bit of a difference. Um, so for Sunderland we have our recovery at home team which is um, a nursing therapy team which work 24-7. Um, we've also got social care teams that work um, seven days a week and got out of our service. We've got um, Age UK but they provide a wealth of support. Um, from welfare calls, day ops, house care support, etc. From a South Tyneside perspective, we have a, a combined uh, health and social care and voluntary sector service known as South Tyneside Rapid Response. Uh, the service can support people being discharged from hospital with input from nursing, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, and alongside our colleagues in social care and age concerned Tyneside South. So if that person's experiencing any difficulties in terms of maintaining their independence or maximising their ability to remain at home, we've got a wealth of services that can go in and support with different elements. So we hear this term quite a lot when we're talking around um, people being discharged in terms of a community bed. So what is a community bed and in what situation or scenario would they be used? Um, in Sunderland we have um, community beds in three different um, care homes. Um, those beds are specific for people who um, need further assessment um, or need a light touch rehab um, or we've got um, provision as well for um, more intense rehab. Two units for residential and another unit for nursing um, needs. The aim really for the community beds was also around supporting people to leave hospital when they're medically fit, but maybe waiting for a care package, which goes back to the, that it's not the best thing for someone to remain in hospital whilst waiting for that when they're ready to go. Um, so we introduced those community beds and been extended until September. In South Tyneside, our main community beds are held at Haven Court, which is on the South Tyneside Hospital site. 
Uh, we have 30 beds which uh, allow people to access continued occupational therapy and physiotherapy input in their the pathway to returning home. Uh, we also spot purchase beds within the local community in residential and uh, nursing care homes where people require a little bit further time to recover, uh, where the, as Rachel says, a slightly lighter touch from a therapy perspective, but always with the intention of the person returning home. So from a, from a staff perspective, what are the key things that these um, ward staff can do to support a timely patient discharge? Speaking, it's about speaking with the patient, finding out what matters to the patient, where the patient wants to go on discharge, speaking to the family. Um, early discussions really matter and um, really speed up the patient's discharge to where they want to be. I think as well though, it's, it's, it's a little bit about not making um, promises mm -hmm. of care that might not suit that patient because obviously you've got to think of a family. Once a family starts hearing, you know, when a patient first comes into hospital, if the, the ward staff say, well, I think your mum's going to need 24-hour care, or she's going to need patients of care four times a day, and that's just because that's what you're looking at there and then with that patient very unwell. I think sometimes relatives can get that in their, their minds, and I think it's about letting the, you know, the professionals get in there as well and working as a team, so they're really good at getting the patient well, and they're helping us do all that, but again, it's, it's about making expectations of the families, not giving false hope. So in terms of the discharge process and the discharge, the integrated discharge teams and things, staff would, how would they, how do they let you know, how should they let you know that a patient's ready for discharge and when in the kind of patient journey should they actually start that process? We encourage the wards to, um, to tell us very early um, about any patients that they feel that we can help with. The, um, and we are trying to get, we are working towards the, the discharge nurses being back on the wards um, because in the time during COVID that hasn't been possible. I think uh, and so it's, it's slightly easier on the self-time side, side, with it being smaller, the discharge nurses have started attending the morning models and I think you get a lot of information from there. Um, so working quite quickly, so you know, you might have a patient that's unwell, but it, that the nurses can pick up this patient's going to start needing some support. I think we're getting that through Sunderland through a different way. We do have the nurses going up to the wards. So we're sort of keeping an eye on those patients that aren't quite yet medically fit, but actually we do need, know that they're going to need a, a, a little more support. So it's just about the wards prompting quickly and I think the new pathways that we're putting so the wards now will put what the expected pathway will be so they may put to us that they think this patient's going to be a pathway three that gives us a chance to quickly look at that patient and it may be no that looks like there may be a two or a one but but at least we're getting flagged very quickly whereas previously we might not have got that flag as quick as uh, since we've done the new pathways uh, on Meditech. And we've had some good feedback as well from the wards, yeah. feeling that the screens help them um, able to flag those medically fit patients up. They can also see what social care are doing and what the IDT nurses are doing. So it just it feels a bit more joined up than it was. Um, just for the staff to know that we do um, <coughs> do fully accept that over the two years of COVID that we haven't been doing the discharge training and just to reassure the staff that going forward very shortly we'll, have, we'll be doing um, a planned approach on both sides 
um, to have discharge training back in person instead of on Teams calls, which I think will help a lot. Yeah, I think face-to-face and actually being on the ward, supporting the nurse as she's carrying out sort of these assessments, it will help the wards uh, rather than on Teams or, or just having to ring for information. Yeah. Obviously you've just just touched on that slightly there. There's been a lot of work going on around improving our whole hospital discharge process. Do you just want to talk a little bit more about that and kind of maybe say what some of the outcomes have been? I think the move to red to green to put them uh, back red to green back to what it was actually first set up for. So red to green was all set up for internal um, escalation of things like ultrasound scans, that sort of thing that could go through matrons. I think that's gone back to that now and what we've done with the new Meditech screen it's an integrated discharge screen where the ward can actually go on into the clinical panels and see everything that's going on for that patient so what the OT said what the physio said um, now when we first talked to the wards about a new system they were like oh but actually it's got rid of a lot of um, documentation for those nurses because it's all being pulled into one um, we're working on having that system where instead of the nurses or the, the discharge team having to fill out lengthy process, um, referral processes, um, with this system that we're doing at the moment, um, Meditech will be able to pull a lot of this um, information so it'll be able, the referrals will come from that, this system rather than keep duplicating on work. So I think bringing it all together under one screen and having the likes of the social worker on their OT, physio, what they've said, um, makes it easier for both the nursing teams and the discharge teams to work together. Things that we've been yeah. doing, sort of, even just Catherine and I, across both sites, um, in terms of work with therapies, um, with acute therapy and discharge process, we're doing work with Age UK and ED, we're getting another homeless officer to help with homeless reduction. So there's loads of kind of things going on. We're currently working with NIAS as well to look at uh, reducing readmission rates. Um, we're aware that unfortunately there are some people who are returned back to hospital very very soon after they leave us um, and we're, we're actively working with NIAS to try and counteract that. There's also some work um, ongoing with partners just to look at formalising some processes um, that we know can add to the length of stay. Um, so part of the system coordinator role is to look at how we can make those improvements but really relying upon our partners um, t- to meet with us and have those discussions so we can make some progress. Can you just sum up why maintaining good patient flow into and out of our hospitals is so important from you know, from, uh, from our perspective as a, as a trust and also from, I suppose, from a, just a wider public perspective as well? The hospital is the right place to be when someone's clinically um, unwell and they need um, that level of care. Um, but it's really important that we get patients discharged as soon as possible. As well, also do have the responsibility to make sure that there's um, the patients who need to come into hospital, there is a capacity to take them, and they're not waiting on ambulances or waiting in AD um, when they really need um, need to be in hospital. I'll just add to that as well that the community beds um, are a precious resource. We need to make sure the right people go into those community beds, and it's very much the same thing that we need to expedite discharge as soon as we can to then free up those beds, to be able to then free up beds for people who are in hospital. So it's all those cogs need to work together um, for the whole system. 
big thank you to Lynn, Kate, Rachel and Catherine for taking time out of their busy day to join us and talk to us about the hospital discharge service that we provide here at the Trust. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Our People podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.